Wildfire Concepts presents Seven Figure Furnace Digital Marketing Discussions with Internet Made Millionaires with your host, Cindy Donovan. In this episode number 17, I talk with Jonathan Van Kloot, who has been online since the days of BBSs and rotary phones, starting in the late 70s and early 80s as a child. His interest in paid traffic was sparked late 2007, where he went from kicking around ideas to dominating CPA affiliate contest boards, using paid traffic sources and scaling those to generate an online income. During this episode, Jonathan shares how to discover media sources outside of Facebook and to discern which ones will work and which ones are just going to cost you money. How to bid using counterintuitive methods that will instantly cut your initial cost to next to nothing and why some clicks are bad for your campaigns and how to avoid those and hone in on the paying customer. Okay, Jonathan, it is fantastic to actually have you here. Um, so for the people who are listening in on Seven Figure Furnace show today and who haven't heard about you, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Who is Jonathan Van Cleet? Oh, brother, we're not going to fit this into a half an hour. Uh, <laughs> uh, I live in Silicon Valley. Yeah. I've lived here my whole life. I'm, I'm a born and bred geek through and through it's you know my dad was a programmer in the 60s so i mean it's it's as in my blood as you can get um <laughs> and um i've been a musician all my life an electronic musician since the 80s uh and i uh got, i've been online actually since the 80s as well in the old days of the, the bbs's and you know, i literally had a rotary phone and dialed the number up and put the thing on the cradle and, you know the whole deal um but uh i started um didn't really, didn't really see anything uh, as far as like money goes from online until eBay came along uh, in like '95, uh, '96, something like that. Um, and my ex-wife and I uh, started selling. It started with My Little Pony, believe it or not. Um, <laughs> if, if you remember that. And well, My um, Little Pony's big again. Oh Thanks yeah, and, and, yeah. We're not that was there, that was the time. Yeah, that was the time frame where it was just about to come back out again. Mm -hmm. We didn't know that yet, of course. But yeah, we um, my my wife just liked them as a kid, and so she saw a chance to started seeing people selling them, and thought she could pick up a few, and then she'd find them at garage sales, and she'd see people selling them for fifty times what she just paid at the garage sale, and went, wait a minute, some money there. So, oh yeah, so we made thousands upon thousands upon tens of thousands of dollars over the uh, few years time including cleaning out an entire store in Amsterdam that happened to, for some reason, have several hundred units of the original toys still in their packaging, in Dutch packaging. Wow. Um, we bought every single solitary one of them, came back to the U.S. and made thousands and thousands of dollars off of that batch. That is fantastic. So how <laughs> did you make crazy. the transition into internet marketing? How did you get um, online? And today we're going to be talking a bit about traffic. So why don't yep. you tell us how you, how you transition into that? Yeah, um, well, you know, it started like a lot of people do um, with where or people did rather with Google AdSense. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, back in around 2004, five-ish or so, I started hearing about this thing yeah. and um, started kind of looking into it. And, and I knew nothing of, I, I, well, I didn't know nothing, but I wasn't a programmer. I didn't know PHP at all. Uh, my dad had tried to teach me programming for years as a kid, but I just, I like had just no aptitude for conventional ways to learn how to program, um, you know, make an address book or whatever, just stuff I didn't care about. 
all of a sudden here was something that I cared about. I was like, wait a minute, you know, if I can figure out how to build these pages, you know, more than by hand, because I built a few by hand and, you know, got some SEO and made it, you know, I could, I could make a few bucks or here and there, whatever. But I saw that unless I could scale this significantly, there was just no way this was ever going to become worth the effort I was putting into building these HTML pages by hand. Mm. And so I, you know, I started to investigate automated page building tools and then I discovered PHP and, and I just started figuring stuff out. And, um, that, you know, after a few years, of course, the, the early Google slaps happened and, and Google started, uh, uh, smacking everyone around that was doing automated page generation and killed your rankings. And all of a sudden you couldn't make any money anymore. And SEO was so unpredictable and unscalable, um, that, you know, it just wasn't that appealing anymore. But fortunately, just before I threw in the towel, I discovered AdWords mm -hmm. and uh, realized, hey, wait a minute, I could buy a click for five cents, send it to a page where every once in a while someone's going to click on an ad and I'm going to make a dollar. And as long as I do that, you know, at least so many times that, you know, I've discovered that was called a conversion rate, you know, and I started to figure out all the, the stuff involved in that and realized, wait a minute, if you could just buy the traffic, well, you can sort of scale as much as you want and it suddenly becomes predictable and I can control it and I can just turn it up, turn it down, turn it on, turn it off. I like this. Yeah. So, so, um, so you've done a lot of media buys um, over the years now. Um, yeah. Can you, today I'd love it if you could just share some tips for people that are wanting to get started or who have done some media buys and not exactly massively successful. How can they get started and not lose a ton of money? I mean, that's, that's yeah. something that a lot of people do. Um, they, they, are, they dive straight in, they've got a bit of money and then they totally screw it up and then they're way more <laughs> yeah. out of pocket than, than they were to begin with. So, Oh yeah. It's really easy to do that. Um, and I have, I have done that many times. It's been a, been a while now, but, um, my most recent foray, I'm not a Facebook guy. I don't really use Facebook at all. I have an account cause well, you know, you gotta really. Uh, mm -hmm. but, um, I dove into Facebook ads last year and, uh, I'm actually, this is one of the things in my notes that I'm, I'm going to talk about, but I treated Facebook ads, which was an unknown type of traffic to me like the kinds of traffic I was used to. And I ended up with a six to $7,000 hole to show for it. Um, that was not fun. That's never fun. Um, so I backed the heck off of Facebook and said, wait a minute, no, this is, this is just not fitting me and kind of went back to the drawing board with, with other things that I understood better. Um, but that's actually, I, you know, I, I put together a list of, of some notes um, and I called this you know, the seven deadly paid traffic since. And, uh, in fact, number seven on the list is assuming that all traffic is created equal. And that's what I did with Facebook. And the fact is all traffic sources are absolutely not created equal. Just because you found a keyword that worked on Google AdWords does not mean that keyword is going to perform in any way the same when you go and do a banner buy at site scout or, um, you know, whatever, it doesn't even matter what platform. It's just, you can't assume that, all traffic sources are going to behave the same or even close to the same. You sort of have to approach everything from the standpoint of this is a fresh test. I know nothing. And I have to just go into it with, with that, with no expectations, no understanding, no nothing. I just have to run some stuff and get some data until I have data. I basically know nothing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's something to really watch out for, especially once you've got your, your, your head wrapped around and kind of have a handle on a particular kind of traffic, you might feel like, oh, I've been doing AdWords for a while now. I'm, I'm great with paid traffic. 
oh, you might find out you're great with AdWords. <laughs> may not be so great with just general paid traffic. Um, right. You know, some, it all comes down to testing, doesn't it? Because, Absolutely. Because, I mean, we've... Um, yeah, we saw a similar thing um, in internet marketing in general with the Belcher button. I don't know if you saw. Um, oh yeah, I remember that one. The Belcher button. It was yeah. like really big, and and it basically happened where I can't remember who tested it, but um, he created this button, and it was the thing that tested the best. And so ultimate conversion button. Everyone started using it, and it worked really good for a while, and then people just assumed that's what you use. <laughs> and then stop testing. Um, yep. and so testing is really, really key at whatever you're doing. Absolutely. And you might, something like that, you might find that, yeah, it works great yep. promoting ClickBank items. Mm. And maybe that's what Perry was doing when he developed maybe, it. And yeah. So it works great for that market. But now mm. you go to promote something different and it doesn't work at all. And exactly. you're scratching your head going, I thought it was the ultimate button. Well, you test. Yep. So, um, <laughs> Another place where it's really easy to go horribly wrong, uh, and, and I did this early on, and I've seen lots of other people do it, um, is bidding high to start out. People, it, it, and it's, it's an intuitive, kind of a logical thing. It's easy to, to rationalize and think, well, this makes sense, is I want to get some traction. I don't want to wait around. I want to get some traffic. So I know my minimum bid is, let's say it's a penny. I'm going to go ahead and bid 25 cents. And just don't do that. I mean, you're, you're, you might not get creamed. It might be okay. You might bid 25 cents and just get a click or two and, and you're okay. But you might also find that, you know, you, you set your bid at 25 cents and before your first data has even come in, you've spent a hundred dollars um, and you've got nothing to show for it. And that's just really not fun. Um, and it, it could be worse than that even, but it, 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 traffic can come in so fast sometimes when you're not, especially if you're not yet familiar with a particular platform. Um, I always, the first thing I always ask any rep at any company I'm going to work with is what's my minimum bid? Mm -hmm. And I start there, the absolute bare minimum. Um, and in fact, I would say sort of a, a subheader to this is don't necessarily believe what they tell you the minimum bid is. Because I, numerous times on numerous networks, they've said, oh, the minimum bid is whatever it is. And just for grins, I see if I can go lower, and it lets me. Okay. And I find there are times that I have talked to other people running the same traffic I'm running from the same place, and they're paying, they think they're paying the minimum bid, they're paying twice what I'm paying. Mm, and there's okay. still plenty of traffic, even mm. below what they tell you. They'll tell you, oh, you can't get traffic below this. You know, if you've ever run AdWords, Google does the same thing. They'll tell you what the minimum suggested bid is. And you think, oh, well, Google wouldn't steer me wrong. They know what I should bid, right? No, never, ever believe them. Don't take them at their face value. Well, they're a company. They're out there to make money too. Absolutely. <laughs> if if yeah. they can convince you to bid just an extra penny or two yeah. across That's the billion of, yeah. of impressions, I mean, it's a huge amount of money. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, okay. yeah, bid as low as you possibly can. You can always increase your bid if you're not getting traffic and just gradually ratchet it up. But if you start out high and get clobbered, now you're starting out from a hole. And that sucks. That is yeah. just miserable. Yeah. That was one of the mistakes that uh, I made with Facebook was, again, thinking that it's bid, the way, the way you bid on Facebook was like the way I bid on other things I had done in the past. And so I, the, the net result was that I was bidding way too high to start. And I just mm -hmm. didn't understand it yet. So I got clobbered. Yeah. Um, okay. uh, Another area that's just super, super critical and isn't always easy to do depending on the, the traffic source is filtering out the bad 
you know, quote unquote bad traffic. And bad is very subjective. Um, bad for you, doesn't convert for you, doesn't give you whatever end result it is that you need to get. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I've, I've felt for a long time that there is something that matches any traffic. And, you know, as long as you've got the traffic, you can find something that will work with it. So it's not really the, the traffic's fault per se, it's your fault for not sifting through it and figuring out, you know, where's the good percentage, where's the bad percentage, how do I get rid of them, um, you know, how do I identify what isn't working for me and what is. And uh, you've got to do that and then you've just got to shut off the stuff that isn't working. And then all you're left is the good stuff. Okay, can I, can I briefly interrupt? Um, yeah. What do you use as far as um, tools? How do you track it? Oh. You, um, I've actually... Yep. I've actually really always used my own tools mm. um, because just from my earliest days of learning all this, I was in the midst of learning PHP. And at that time in you know, 2006 or seven, there weren't the plethora of tools that we have mm. today. I mean, there's so many tools for tracking right. and analysis and everything. Um, and back then there wasn't a whole lot. So mm. I just sort of figured it out on my own and, yeah. and a lot of Excel, lots of mm. time spent in Excel looking at, lists of sub IDs and, you know, stuff like that. Um, so, uh, yeah, mostly I use just my own custom stuff, but mm -hmm. there are so many options available now. It's really, okay. but it's nothing that you recommend. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, nothing I can really think of offhand. I, I tried a few tools that were coming out in like 2008, nine, and, uh, most of them ended up letting me down, mm. um, one way or another. They weren't, um, weren't granular enough and really let me see what's going on or they couldn't handle high volumes of data. Some of the early tools weren't really built with the idea that somebody was going to run you know, 20,000 clicks a day through this thing. It was meant for people who were going to do, you know, a few hundred maybe or something. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I don't have, unfortunately I don't have anything right now that I use that's off the shelf. Everything is custom. So, right. okay. But at least you're still testing and oh, well, always. You, always. you've got to have data. This is, <laughs> This business is all about monetizing data and, and that's what you're, that, that's the, the blood of what you do is, is data and I always want more of it if I can get it. Mm. Um, so, and, and, and another place in fact that you can get really valuable data is actually your, your rep at whatever network you're using. Um, you know, it's, it's critical. I, I've told a number of people a number of times that a big part of the reason why I had success the, the years that I, I was starting out um, was because I early on developed relationships with my reps at the various yeah. networks. And I got, it, you know, not all reps are created equal for sure. Just like not all networks are created equal. And, you know, I've had a lot of really crappy reps who really didn't do anything for me and were never very helpful. But there was one network in particular that I used really heavily from about 2008 to about 2012. And um, there was a rep that the rep I happened to be assigned was just amazing. And absolutely understood the way all the numbers interrelate and, and landing pages and how they impact things. And he got conversion rates. And I mean, he just, he understood it all. Um, which sometimes makes people a little nervous because there's a, it's easy to think, well, if he does, you know, if, if he sees what I'm doing, mm. well, he's going to go do it for himself. And, mm. and I subscribed to that thinking as well for a good long time. And I still do initially when I first start working out with anyone, of course, I don't trust anybody straight out of the gate with all my data, right. but over time he showed me and we had several conversations about it that he loved being a rep, but like he would call me on a Sunday 
and say, oh, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, you know, I'm just checking out my stats and in the middle of an Excel and I'm the blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, man, this is why I would never want to do what you do. Right. I come home at the end of the day. That's it. I'm done. I play with my kid. I watch a movie. I go to bed. I have a weekend. I go out of town. I, I, I don't have all this credit card risk, and he's, you know, because funding traffic. He's just like, I love this game. I, you know, it's, it's, it's totally me. I love all the numbers and figuring it all out and helping you figure it out, whatever. But I don't, I do not want to do this. Well, it's not for everyone, is it? And this entrepreneurial no. thing is not for everyone because it, it, nope. it means that there is risk. Absolutely. And, you know, we are taking the risk, but yep. you know, the um, reward. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's I exactly could, right. I could, not, I could not go back and work for someone having yep. been on the other side now. Um, yeah. But, you know, some people love it. Yep. And, and it was just, that was, that was kind of a light bulb moment for me when he, he mm. told me that. I mean, I had already sort of observed that. I observed that he really didn't seem to have any interest in, in doing any of this himself. And I kind of mm. wondered why. And when he explained it to me, it was like, aha. So, yeah. Actually, after that, I started to trust him more gradually. And over time, it was the point where, I mean, he had the logins to my systems. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes he, he, he would ping me and say, hey, you know, the such and such traffic source just came online or went down or whatever, you know, and I would just say, hey, can you go in, can you log into my campaigns and make some changes for me or whatever. He would adjust bids for me. I just basically had him being my little helper monkey doing things, yeah. uh, which was fantastic. But that never would have happened if I hadn't started to cultivate that relationship and, and really talk to him a lot. Uh, and he it's turned me on to all kinds to, of... Uh, sometimes we underestimate um, relationship. Being on the internet, it's quite easy to disassociate yourself from people and from oh, understanding yeah. that, you know, it's actually is people over there. But when you make that connection with people and it's someone that you can trust, you need to obviously be careful yes. <laughs> and not just throw everything at everyone. But yep. yeah, remembering that it is all about relationships still, yep. even though you and might not have face-to-face time with a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This yep. Relationships are still where things are at a lot. Yep. So yeah, what I other, have reps. Well, sorry, let me just jump ahead here. What other um, pitfalls and stuff can you lead us in? That Definitely. Um, a big one for PPC in mm-hmm. particular, um, because, you know, PPC, PPC being pay per click. Um, if you're paying for every click, well, you want good clicks. You don't want bad clicks. And one really easy way to get bad clicks that I know I did a ton when I was starting out, and it, and it seems like what you might want to do is to engage people's curiosity in your PPC ad. Mm. Write some really curious sounding headline or use a really mysterious image or, or, you know, engage that curiosity, get them to go, what the heck is this? I want to click. You do not want those clicks. You don't ever want curiosity clicks. You want clicks from people who know exactly what it is they're clicking on and why they're clicking on it. And you've basically pre-qualified, pre-filtered, pre-sold them before they ever even click your ad. Yeah. So you really got to watch out for that. It's so easy to want to be clever and, and, and come and you up get with some all great excited group. because you're getting so much traffic mm-hmm. <laughs> and they're not the right kind of traffic. That's exactly right. So none of it converts and you're like, wow, my click through rate is through the roof. This is awesome. Right. And you look at the money and you're like, uh, all I'm doing is spending 10 times what I'm earning. This is not good. No. So um, you really got to be careful with, you know, being a great, brilliant, clever copywriter or whatever in your PPC ads. That's, that's usually not what you want to do. Right. Um, but then the absolute bar none, by far worst thing that I've seen people do, um, and it bit me early on, uh, is, and it's, it's related to the filtering out bad traffic, is not passing a sub ID 
or using some kind of conversion tracking process to know exactly which click gave you the result you wanted, which keyword, what time of day, what browser they were using. I mean, as all the data you can possibly get. So many times I've had people hit me up for support on the, some of the uh, tools that I've made, products I've, I've put out, and you know they'll complain about whatever they're not making money is really the ultimate end result here. Right. And I'll ask them for like data just to show me, okay, well, what, what are you doing? What's going on? Let me see if I can figure out, figure out where you're going wrong. And they're not passing any. Mm. They're just like plain not passing a sub ID or, or, or have it set up wrong or didn't figure out how their CPA network accepts pixels or whatever it is. But the bottom mm. line is there's no tracking data coming through. There's nothing you can do at that point. You have your, it's, you're completely blind. You can't optimize. You can't fix anything. You, your data is useless. Mm. So you have to pass some kind of tracking information with every click of your ad or every load of your page or every every action, every form submission somebody does. If it's a list building exercise, you know what, whatever, whatever the the event is that brings them through the start of your funnel, you've got to track that. Right. So. I mean, it can be tempting to, you get all of your marketing stuff in line and it can be tempting to just avoid having to learn how to do that sort of <laughs> stuff or, and, and yep. just, just assume that, you know, what you're doing is going to work, but yeah, a lot of time, a lot of times the traffic, a lot of times people do sort of think that like, it's just sort of magic mm. that, like things just somehow talk to each other mysteriously, magically, your server will just know what's going on over there when they click and that everything is just going to somehow communicate to each other. And, and that doesn't happen. I mean, you have to right. set things up and it really pays to learn. I've told a number of people, like if I had to recommend the one thing that, you know, will bring you the most online success, it was something mm -hmm. like whatever, I would probably have to say, teach yourself some PHP. I'm not saying go out and become a programmer who's going to get hired at some startup and, you know, start developing web apps, but like mm. learn some basic PHP, how variables work, how you pass information in a URL, uh, these kinds of things make the difference. I, I've never seen like a super affiliate who didn't know how to do that stuff. And I've rarely, there's like software out there that can do that. Cause I'm not, yes, you yeah, still have to understand it. You still yeah. got to understand how the pieces right. work together. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and if you have absolutely no idea what mm. these things are, like, what's well, a sub ID? I don't know. How, how does it work? You're going to be screwed up. Even if you right. use the software, it's, you're just going to mess it up. Yeah. So, yeah. Really valuable. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So, um, yeah, another thing this, this actually came from, uh, one of my early mentors in paid traffic is a guy by the name of Gohar Chaudhry. And, uh, mm -hmm. he, would always say that keywords are like lottery tickets. And so if you want to win the lottery, you need a lot of tickets. Okay. And it was like, you know, that, that I never really thought about it that way, but then it's like, yeah, you know, the more keywords you have, the more potential traffic you can bring and the more potential conversions you can get. If you've got a landing page that resonates with that traffic and if all your other pieces are in line, mm. ultimately it becomes about, I need lots and lots of keywords. Um, that's not always a great place to start from because if you just go, it's easy to build keyword lists these days. You know, it's easy to get a list of 10,000 keywords on whatever niche right. and that can be completely overwhelming. It's just too much information, too much data to start with and so forth. So it's a good idea if you can to start out with just the higher volume keywords so you don't waste a lot of time on stuff yeah. that isn't bring you any traffic. 
But eventually, at some point, once you've kind of got things humming along, you've got a landing page that's working or a product that's converting or whatever, you've got yourself a little funnel built, you need to scale. Well, your scale when you're buying traffic is usually going to come down to, I need a lot more keywords. Mm. And if you can do that, if, if one guy is running 10 keywords and you can run a thousand and you can actually track them all, you're probably going to be able to bring a lot more traffic than the other person. Um, not always, but Definitely, there's a lot to that idea that your keywords right. are essentially your lottery But the key here is that you need to be able to track each and every one of those keywords. Yep. So you've got Absolutely. to have something set up so that you know which keywords are the ones that are bringing you the actual sales. You got it. Which the ones that aren't. That's exactly that right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. a million keywords without tracking, useless. <laughs> and tracking without keywords, equally useless. Right. So you, you got to have it all. Mm, okay. <laughs> That's cool. Do you have anything else that you would like to share? Sure. Um, so speaking of actually this, I, I didn't intend for this to all kind of tie together so orderly, but it does. Uh, okay. You know, when you're testing keywords, that's one area where it pays to understand certain things about risk. Um, for example, if I'm going to test, if I have one keyword and I have a target ROI for my campaign that I need to make two to one. If I spend a dollar, I need to make $2. That's my, that's my ROI target. Well then for every dollar I spend, I have to, Oh, sorry. And, and if my offer pays, let's say $5, I'm running something that's going to pay me $5 per lead or conversion or whatever. Well, two to one, that means for every $2 and 50 cents I spend, I have to get one conversion. Mm -hmm. I got to make $5 every time I spend two fifty. So now I know how often I have to convert. Yep. So if I'm going to test one keyword, I can spend $2.50 on that keyword and then I better see a conversion. Mm. If I don't, well then I know, okay, I'm already not hitting my ROI goal. I sometimes when I'm first, first testing something, I'll go ahead and, and let it lose a little bit while I'm fine tuning things and optimizing whatever. But in general, hey, you, you got to pay attention to that because you can very, if you're, if you're spending $8 to make $5, well, yeah, you're getting conversions, but you're mm. losing money. What's the point? Yeah. Um, but where that really starts to get complicated is that's one keyword. I can spend $2.50 to make $5. Okay, great. Now, if I want to spend, sorry, if I want to run 10 keywords, well, I have to test to 10 times that volume. Now I have to test 10 keywords at $2.50 each. I'm going to spend $25 and I better be making $50. Mm -hmm. If I'm going to test 100 keywords, I got to be willing to spend at least $2.50 per keyword. 250 bucks. I have to be willing to have a test budget of 250 bucks. Otherwise I'm not giving these keywords basically the room to move room to run mm. um, where that becomes really problematic is sometimes it's really attractive to look at offers that pay a lot. So somebody will look at a, an affiliate offer that pays a hundred dollars, a mortgage lead or something like that. It's like, Oh my God, a hundred dollars a lead. Holy crap. This is, you know, you can't go wrong. Well, but think about that for a second. That means you need to be willing to spend $50 per keyword right. if you want a two to one return and you've got to have a conversion within there. So if you've got a hundred keyword times 50, you've got a $5,000 budget. Now you've yeah. got to be willing to spend in order to properly give this the room to run that it needs. Mm. Um, and if you want more than a two to one ROI, if your personal comfort zone is, well, I want at least three to one. Well, then that changes that relationship. 
Um, if you're willing to take a lower margin, then that changes it as well. But you need to understand the interrelation of your costs and your potential revenue and understand what the real risk is. Because if you've got, like I said, if you've got 100 keywords and you're going to be spending $50 a piece on them, and you look at that and say, well, that would be $5,000. I'm not willing to do that. I'll just spend $50 and test this. That's, that's meaningless. It's just a waste of money. You'd be better off just flushing 50 bucks down the toilet because you're not going to get any value. You're not going to get the amount of data you need out of a $50 test. Mm. So you got to understand up front what you're getting into, what it's going to take in order to get the data you need and then do it. Um, one pivotal kind of earth changing moment for me in my early days of trying to do CPA marketing, like around 2006 or so was when all of a sudden it clicked that if I run some traffic and it's not profitable, well, I didn't just lose money. I bought data. Okay. I just paid money for data. And now I need to look at that data and analyze it and do something with it and make it useful. And that changed everything for me because all of a sudden my, the, 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 the internal psychology and that feeling in my stomach when I'd hit go on a campaign and watch it start spending and I'm getting all nervous and antsy and oh, come on, where's the conversions? Where's the conversions? That all went away because I realized, no, whatever, I'm going to buy $50 worth of data. Mm. Simple. And I, it's in my mind, it's like going to a store and buying something. I'm not antsy over the price or the, or, you know, oh, is this going to be as good as I just paid the money and am I going to like this or whatever? It's just, I walked in the store, I paid down, you know, I put my product down, I pay my money and I, I go. Mm. So that's the way I started to look at running test campaigns was buying data. And yeah, okay. Admittedly, I might have to buy quite a bit of data before I get what I need. But when you do get what you need, when something finally hits, you know, oh yeah, okay, I spent five or $600 over the last few days on tests and it didn't pan out and then finally one does and suddenly I'm making $1,500 a day. Yeah. Take it back in no time, but you've okay. got to stay the course and be willing to buy that data and know what to do with it after you've got it. Exactly. That's what I wanted to ask you. So what do you do with this data? So you buy this data and then it's not converting to something. Do you just switch it? to something related or you change the ads or you, what do you do? Some, all of the above. It, it, yeah. it does depend a bit on what you're seeing. Um, mm -hmm. For example, if I was doing a PPC campaign to a CPA offer, uh, let's say that I see um, the PPC ad is getting a lot of clicks, but uh, the landing page is not converting for those clicks. Well, mm. I kind of see one of two scenarios there. Either I'm getting the right, clicks coming in, but the landing page is not resonating with them. So I need to do something there to make it match better for them. Mm. Or I'm getting the wrong clicks in the front door. So I would try to look at my ad. I would probably start with my ad because it's a lot easier to change an ad than it is a whole landing page. So I would mm. start with my ad and look at it and just say, okay, if I look at this ad, am I engaging curiosity? Am I filtering people out? Am I pre-qualifying in my ad? Am I making sure that no one in their right mind is going to click this ad unless they actually want what I'm offering. Right. If the answer is no, if I see, oh yeah, it's kind of a cryptic ad, it's kind of mysterious, you know, then I'm probably going to start with changing the ad. Say, all right, I need to, this ad needs to pre-qualify the heck out of every single person who comes by. Um, and you know, I don't want anyone clicking who isn't crystal clear on why they're clicking it, what's going to be on the other side. Mm -hmm. Once I feel like I've got that, if I've still got lots of clicks coming through and they're still not converting, then the likely culprit is now the landing page. So 
that starts to get really complex. You're split testing headlines, you're split testing mm -hmm. placement of images, you're split testing the images themselves, you're split testing so many different things. And of course, you really have to change just one thing at a time. Mm -hmm. You can't go changing 27 elements. Right, you don't know and then if it works, you don't know yeah. why it works. Mm -hmm. So that becomes a whole complicated monster in itself. But yeah. um, you we might have to save that for a different conversation sometime. Oh yeah, that's that's yeah. Split testing is is a monster, but it's critical. It, you got to do it. So yeah. yeah, depending on what you see in the data will help to direct you on what thing you need to tweak. Right. Well, that is fantastic. Do you have any last minute? We're going to have to wrap it up pretty soon. Um, sure. Do you have any last minute advice that you can share for people who are just starting out or have, you know, want to dive into media buyers a little bit more? Sure. Um, it definitely know when to pull the plug. Mm. Uh, don't fall in love with an offer. It's so easy to see something and just be convinced that they, this can't lose. This is an amazing offer, a product or whatever, especially sometimes if it's your own product, you know, but right. even if it's not, you're an affiliate or whatever, and you just think this thing can't lose. Um, let the data dictate what you do. You have to do that. Um, you know, if the traffic just doesn't like what you're presenting, then present it something else. Mm. Um, you know, if you've got a good source of traffic, then it's your responsibility to find out what does that traffic want. Um, you know, there was a technique that I used to do that was called throw and stick. It was a, a technique that Goer kind of illustrated to me. Um, I ended up calling it splat testing because basically it was you throw a whole bunch of stuff against the wall and it goes splat and, and you see what sticks. What sticks exactly? And so what I would do is I would I built a rotator of my own, a, a URL rotator, and I would load up literally a hundred CPA offers across every vertical, no rhyme or reason, no, no, no niche, no, not, I didn't care because I didn't, I never wanted to assume that I knew whether something was going to work or not. I don't know. I don't have data yet. I have no idea. So just throw it all against the wall. I would mm -hmm. funnel a big stream of traffic through it. And quite often the most surprising thing would jump out of that and work gangbusters. And then I would just shut off the 99 offers that sucked and yeah, okay, it cost me 50 or 100 bucks to, to do that for an hour. Um, but then all of a sudden, it's converting like crazy. I'm getting hundreds of leads a day and easy. So yeah. if you find the traffic, you got to figure out what's going to work for Don't it. That you know what's going to work. <laughs> That's exactly right. Don't and, and don't fall in love. And if something is yeah. working, don't assume it's going to work forever because mm. it won't. Mm. Awesome stuff. Thank you so much, Jonathan, for your time. And thanks for joining us on the show. We've oh, learned, I've learned a lot of stuff from you. So thank you so much. Hey, no problem. Anytime. Happy to talk to you again. All right. Take care, man. Bye. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Seven Figure Furnace with Cindy Donovan. If you like what you just heard, please share our web address, wildfireconcepts.com, with your friends and colleagues. To catch our previous podcasts packed with more insight from self-made millionaire fire starters, check the archives on our website. This has been a Wildfire Concepts production. Join us again at our next edition of Seven Figure Furnace.